Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. We haven't met before. My name is Andrew. And uh, with my wife, Beck, we are delighted to uh, lead this church and uh, we love what God is doing here. We love what we get to do each and every week. Today, we are starting a new series called My Bad Church Experience. And in a moment, I'm going to share a story of my bad church experience from uh, when I was growing up in Thailand, so our parents were missionaries in Thailand. Uh, before I tell you about that experience, I'm going to show you a photo to kind of set the scene a little bit. And those that are listening online, you uh, will try and get this photo up actually on our Instagram as well. So here is me in the middle in the red. Uh, this is about the time. This is not the bad church experience. Um, here on the very far, there's a, a, a strapping young gentleman uh, by the name of John Scott, my dad, sitting over here. Okay, a couple of things I want, it's a bit hard to see, but a couple of things I want to point out. Uh, number one, hats. There are hats on the table, Akubra hats, obviously Australian. Okay, we were Australians in Thailand. We had Akubra hats. I'm not sure why. My childhood will probably help you make sense of some of my peculiarities. Okay, over here we've got um, John, Pastor John, my dad. Uh, he's got, you can't really see it. It's not a shadow. It's a low-key mullet, okay? <laughs> so if we were to uh, just add a zero fade on the side, he could quite comfortably play for the Penrith Panthers or maybe play AFL for the Bulldogs. So uh, look at those fresh kicks and those uh, tan pants. And I think Dad had a leather jacket. So very kind of maybe a bit of a Don Johnson vibe happening there. So this was around the time of my bad church experience. And so uh, let me uh, tell you about that. So when we first arrived in Thailand, I was about nine years old and our family uh, was... Uh, sent to this little church in Thailand, and it was a, probably a, maybe about 40 minutes drive away, 40 minutes of, or an hour drive away, and this church was literally in the middle of a swamp. It was, uh, in fact, true story, one day I went to the bathroom and out of the bathroom slid a king cobra down into the swamp. True story. So we're here, this service is completely in Thai. They have uh, a worship team which includes one guy on a guitar with three strings, all right? If you didn't know, most guitars should have five strings, uh, sorry, six strings, some should have more. This guitar had three strings. It was about 40 degrees, no air conditioning. And so I, as a nine-year-old, had to sit each and every week in this church, not understanding a single thing, in 40 degrees heat. And I don't know if you've ever sat next to a nine-year-old for a long time in a chair. 
that their body starts to kind of and my body would collapse and I we were in the pews and I would start to try and lean over and mum and dad were kind of like shoving me and so this was one of my bad church experience it was very uncomfortable it was totally irrelevant I got nothing from it it was painful and through that experience here's what I kind of was working out that church is something to be endured, not enjoyed. That's kind of what I kind of let's get through this so that we can get to some other things. Now, you may be wondering if that is your church experience, how are you leading a church uh, and how are we talking about this in this moment? And next week, I'm going to tell you about how I got from there to here. But we're starting a conversation about church. And part of this conversation is that we're not going to ignore the flaws and failings of church. And there are actually some really terrible, horrific, totally and completely unacceptable things that have happened in church throughout history and sometimes even recent history. Probably one of the worst things that would happen in churches and other institutions, there was a royal commission about this, is Child sexual abuse, that is completely unacceptable and abominable. That is part, unfortunately, part of a church experience for some people. For other people, there is uh, histories of uh, leaders being manipulative and abusive and unkind and being motivated out of self-interest. These are, these are real things that some people have either heard about or experienced firsthand. There are lots and lots of other things. There are people that sometimes have felt used, have felt burnt out. They've done a lot of doing, but not a lot of growing. They've done a lot of doing, but they haven't had a lot of connection or relationship. Sometimes people have felt that church communities have been oppressive. They've been shame-driven, guilt-driven, rule-driven. Others sometimes have felt been a bit too weird, a bit too spooky, a little bit zany, a little bit crazy. Others have thought that church is too showy and too slick. And all of these things have formed our impressions of church. Some of them have impacted us personally, but they've either formed an impact or an impression depends on the proximity. So if I've experienced some of this stuff firsthand, it's really going to rock me. It's going to hurt me. It's going to impact me. If I haven't felt this firsthand, it's going to be an impression. It's going to be something that people that have never experienced church form an idea about church based on stories that other people have told. And so these impressions and impacts, they sometimes leave people hurt, genuinely hurt. Others have left people apathetic or cynical or disillusioned or discouraged about church. And so all these things, they are real things. This is part of our starting point. We're not going to ignore them. We're not going to just pretend that they exist and go to Legoland where everything is awesome. If any of you have seen the Lego movie, I watch a lot of kids' movies with my kids. And so what should we do about it? What should we do with it? And eventually, if you are deciding 
to follow Jesus, if you are setting your mind and your heart and the direction of your life to follow Jesus, sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with the church. It's inevitable. And so that is what we're starting a conversation. The reason why is because church is Jesus' idea. He created it. We're going to talk about that today. And what we want to do is we want to capture both the goodness and the beauty of the church. I'm going to say that again. What we want to do is we want to connect, capture both the goodness and the beauty of the church. So we're going to start with this question. What did Jesus have in mind when he created the church? And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 16, the centerpiece, the center of Matthew's gospel. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a definition, start over the next couple of years, uh, next couple of weeks to define church, because if we can't define it, we can't diagnose it. If we don't know what it's supposed to be, we can't tell if we're off track or on track. And a lot of us in this room, some of us are new to church, but a lot of us in this room, we've spent a lot of time doing church, but we haven't always spent time thinking about what we should do and why we should do it. And that's what we're here to do today. So as we start this journey, we're going, I'm going to give you three essentials that I believe are essential for church in the way that Jesus intended And they're going to form a framework for us to understand church. So we're picking up from Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. And it starts in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Here is a picture. And this is most likely where this scene occurred. This is a place that you can go to right now. It is called the Grotto of Pan. And this place, don't cheer too soon, okay, Tanya, last name Pan, okay, don't cheer too soon. The Grotto of Pan. Now, this place, from a couple of hundred years before Jesus arrived on the scene, probably with his disciples, this place was a center of pagan worship. And it was dedicated to the god Pan, of which we were get the word panic. The God of fright. And so on, in this scene, there used to be sacrifices, at times even human sacrifices. It was a deep, deep cave. And what they would do is they would throw a human sacrifice in. And if the body uh, went and was sucked down, then they knew that the gods accepted the sacrifice. If it uh, came up and was bloody then they knew that the sacrifice was rejected. Now, interestingly, people at that time used to call this dark place the gate of hell or the gate of Hades. This is what they used to call it. And it was an evil place. And this is the backdrop that Jesus most likely spoke these words. Let's read them. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, 
Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say that John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, this is slightly unusual because all of the people that were mentioned were dead. So Jesus, they thought it was a prophet because he had a message from God and also because he did miracles. But it's kind of fascinating that they thought he was a reincarnated prophet. And this is what they said. But then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered. Now, Simon Peter was a follower of Jesus. He was a very imperfect person. He was unstable. He was insecure. He was impulsive. He was immature. And uh, what we see is he's about to make a statement which is incredible. But we know, if you know a little bit about the Bible, that not long after this statement, in the same chapter, he's gonna, uh, Jesus is going to rebuke him and call him the devil. All right, because he's just like he's riding the roller coaster. He's like he's like uh, diamonds and rocks. All right, and then eventually, in Jesus's time where he needs him the most, Peter is going to deny him. But despite that, despite his imperfection, he gets a revelation of Jesus. And here's what he says. This is so important. He says, "You are the Messiah." the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So in this moment, Jesus is actually prophesying the existence of the church of which we are a part of today. At that time where it didn't exist in any form, the church of Jesus Christ did not exist. That happened after his death, resurrection and ascension. But this interaction and Peter's response not only provides a pattern for the formation of the church, but it provides a pattern for the continuance of the church and it provides the foundation for us to understand what church is and what is all about. Let me give you this statement that will help us understand the pattern of the start of the church and what God has called us into. It's this, church is imperfect people responding to the revelation of Jesus. Let me say that over this side. Church is imperfect people responding to the revelation of Jesus. Now that should be a relief because if church was about perfect people, none of us would be included, right? But no matter where your starting point, church is about Imperfect people responding with a revelation of Jesus. Church started when Peter got a hold of the idea that Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a miracle worker. He wasn't just a historical figure. He wasn't just even a reincarnated prophet. 
But Peter got a hold of this idea that Jesus is God. And when we get that from the inside out, that is when things begin to change. And this is the starting point for the church. And church essential number one is this. Church must, in church, we must be spiritually growing. We must be spiritually growing. This everything must start from here coming out of what God has revealed to us in our spirits. Jesus says, where do you start? You've got to be born again. There's got to be new birth. Now, a lot of the time, we run into trouble where things are the other way, where things are being imposed upon us and things are being forced upon us. But when you get a revelation of Jesus Christ... That's when church starts. You begin to grow spiritually. When you say, hey, I met Jesus and he changed me. I met Jesus and he healed my past. I met Jesus and he gave me a different name. I met Jesus and he didn't judge me and talk about my future on the basis of my past. He talked about it on the basis of his plan for me, for my future. This is where church starts. It starts when we get a revelation of Jesus and we start to grow spiritually in the way that Jesus wants us. Here's another statement. Church is not something you go to. Church is something we become. It's not something you go to. We'll unpack this a little bit more. But it's something that we become. How is that possible? It's possible when it's an internal spiritual birth, growth that flourishes and thrives from within us and starts to overflow around us. The revelation of Jesus is so important. And the revelation of Jesus, who Jesus is, the nature and the character of Jesus that we read about in his word is so fundamental and it guides us and it helps us discern and determine and sets our direction on church. What does Jesus think about the abuse of children? Matthew 18.6 says, If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. He's not pulling any punches about what he believes. It's in the nature and the revelation of Jesus that we see how we should act, behave, live. What about leadership in the church? Matthew 23, 11, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those that exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We could go on and on, but the point I'm making is that it's in the nature and the character and the personal revelation of Jesus that we begin to be inspired from within to do and be the church that Jesus intended for us. Now, how do we do this? Really simple. Okay, spiritually, spiritually going. Maybe you're new to this. How do you do that? You hang out with Jesus. How do I hang out with Jesus? You learn how to pray. We've got this journal that we've been talking about that's a resource. You learn how to engage with the Bible. That's part of what you do. And you just say, hey, Jesus, just like reveal yourself to me. It's really, really 
simple. That's the first. The first church example uh, ex- essential is that we are spiritually growing. The next, we start in, uh, we continue in verse 18. It says, Now I say to you, Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now the word church in the first English Bible, it was translated as congregation. The Greek word is ekklesia or ecclesia. And what it means is it means a people who are called out to be gathered together. So there's this idea of this relational gathering or this relational connection. And most people, when the first thing that we think about with church is we think about a building, but Jesus is saying, That before it is a building, it is a people. So church is a people before it is a place. It's people that are called out by Jesus, that have this revelation of Jesus that come together. This also helps us understand that church is not something that we go to, it's something that we become. And that church is where imperfect people respond to the revelation of Jesus. This is the environment that we do that. I love this quote from uh, theologian and writer, author Eugene Peterson. He says, Church is a congregation of people who sit down at a table together and receive with gratitude what is prepared for us by Jesus. Have a think about that quote. We are sitting down. We are a group of people. The image that we would use in this church is the family table. The family table is a place that we come and we grow together. And we grow together. We respond together. And so church essential number two, the first is that we're spiritually growing. The second is that we are relationally connected. This is what it means to be in church. It also helps us understand what church is not. If you are sitting reading your Bible at home, you are not doing church. I love that you're doing that. We honor you if you do that. I do that each day and we we encourage that in church. But that is not church. That's you connecting with Jesus. It's not church. Church is when we are side by side. Church is when we are face to face. Church is when we are growing together. Church is when we're enjoying each other's company, challenging each other, being inspired to follow Jesus. Being relationally connected, gathering around the family table, it's when imperfect people get together and encourage each other to follow Jesus. It's not about experts. It's not about perfection. It's not about putting masks on. It's coming as you are and saying, hey, this is, this is what's going on in my life. And together, how can we move forward? How can I encourage you? How can you encourage me? This is what it means. We need to be relationally connected. How are we going to do this? Really simple. We hang out with people who hang out with Jesus. So to grow spiritually, we want to hang out with Jesus. To grow spiritually and relationally, we want to hang out with people who hang out with Jesus. 
Have you got good friends? Have you got good church connection? Have you got people who can encourage and inspire you? Have you got people that you, could, you would allow that you have built trust over time that could say, hey, I reckon you're, you're off track here. Why don't you have a think about this? Why don't you allow God permission in this area? Why don't you trust? Why don't you stop holding on so tight to that? Church is not something you go to. It's something that we become. The next part of this verse, 18, he says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Do you see how this makes so much sense if he's on the backdrop of a place that was known as an evil place, the gates of hell or the gates of Haiti? And so Jesus is making this declaration is that church is not just for us. It's not just for you, for me to be revealed. It's not just for us to be together, but church is for us to change the world. And he's saying, can you imagine any spiritual power, any demonic force, any stronghold, any place of death and depression and distress? Well, that is where I'm going to start. And I want to tell you that when we join together Nothing will stop us. Nothing will stop us. Instead of depression, I'm going to bring hope. Instead of death, I'm going to bring healing. Instead of destruction, I'm going to bring freedom. I'm going to bring favor. I'm going to allow my presence to overflow from within these people who I've called, who I've revealed myself to. And we're going to change the world. And the thing that is encouraging to us is that God has called each and every one of us to be a part of it. He didn't say, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to get the professionals on this. I want to get the pastors on this. But he says, I want a group of people who have a revelation of me, who respond to that revelation of me and who decide that they want to have a part in their world where God has placed them in bringing heaven to earth. In seeing the, the evil forces of death and destruction and despair and depression being pushed back by hope and healing and freedom and favor. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever considered yourself called into it? Because that's what's happening right now. This reminder that God just hasn't called us to be a happy place or a friendly place, but God has called us to make a difference with a message of life and light the message of Jesus Christ. The first ministry essential was that we are spiritually growing. The second is that we are relationally connected. And the third is that we are ministry active. I want to encourage you. Right now, you could be thinking about all the reasons why you couldn't. Maybe you don't know enough about the Bible. Maybe you don't pray enough. Maybe all these things. Maybe you think that that's my job and I should do my job better. But Jesus has called each and every one of us to be light 
and life. You know what he says in Matthew? He says, let your light shine. He says, I have placed within you a revelation of me that should start to overflow in a way. So wherever God has placed you in your home, in your workplace, if you're studying, if you're teaching, if you're shopping, Jesus wants to know that he's called you to represent his light and his life. In the beginning, I said that part of what we're called to do is to restore the goodness and the beauty of the church. I had a bad church experience. It was hot. It was boring. It was irrelevant. And so as a church, like we love that we're in an air-conditioned building. In Brisbane, awesome. That's part of our future. We love that our teams are growing, that the music is good and getting better. We love that we're going to do everything that we can. And part of my job is to hopefully keep you awake during Sunday. We're going to do that. We're going to have clarity. We're going to have organisation. And that's good. But we're not going to stop at good. Sometimes people settle just for good church. Sometimes other people say, okay, instead of being good church, we're going to go for perfect church. We're going to do everything to the highest standard possible. But I tell you where we're going, and I believe where God has called us, is from good church into beautiful church. Let me give you an example. We have rosters here. I think that's good. Rosters are not beautiful. Maybe for a couple of people, they love rosters. But the idea that somebody would get up early on a Sunday morning to serve someone else with a good attitude, knowing that it will bless them, that's beautiful. Can you see that? The idea that someone could come into church, like my beautiful wife, Rebecca, when she was 21 in Sydney, no church history, no church background, walked into a church and she's like, what is this place? How come the people are so happy? This is so different to my experience. I, and she met Jesus and her life changed. That's beautiful. The transformation that comes as we respond to a revelation of Jesus, that's beautiful. God just hasn't called us to be a functional church or a nice church, but God has called us to be a group of imperfect people who are responding to a revelation of Jesus Christ. And that is what makes church beautiful. We're going to take a moment and pray in a minute. I gave you three church essentials, not to be done on their own, but to be done together. Three things that Jesus has prophesied and called us to as a church. The first is this, that we are to be spiritually growing. We are to be responding from a revelation of Jesus. The second is that we are to be relationally connected, face to face, side by side. And the third is that we are 
to be ministry active, that each and every one of us is called to carry the message and the hope of Jesus. And when we do, we are going to see transformation. We're going to see people, bodies being healed, finding family, finding belonging, overcoming past hurts. And in that, we find the beauty and goodness of Jesus. I just want to encourage you just for a minute, just to uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Firstly, I want to give an opportunity if you've never had a chance for Jesus to reveal himself to you. This, you may be early on in your journey of church or Christianity. And I want to give you an opportunity that says, hey, today I want to make that first step. I believe that Jesus is revealing himself to me and I want to say yes to him. If that's you, would you put up your hand? Wherever you are, I want to pray for you. Yeah, I see that hand. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are revealing yourself. You are so precious. You are so personal. And so, God, we just thank you for your revelation of yourself. In Jesus' name. The next, just before we go, we'll be finishing in just a few minutes. If anyone is here and maybe you're a little bit beaten up by church, maybe you're a little bit battered and bruised and some of that some of those things that we've been talking about haven't just been impressions or stories, but are things that have been felt and experienced. I want to pray that Jesus would just reveal himself in a fresh way to you. And if that's you, just while all the eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I just want to uh, just release something to you. Is anyone here like that? You're a little bit battered and bruised with church. Yeah. See those hands. Lord, we just thank you for your healing to flow. Lord, we're sorry for things that have happened that haven't represented you. And so, God, we just allow your grace, that your freshness of your revelation, we keep our eyes on you. We keep our thoughts on you. You are an example of how we live and operate. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.